whether you're on site or online again. Thank you. Appreciate your choice and decision to participate with us today. So, in case you haven't noticed, I'm pretty sure you probably have, in case, but there are Catholics and there are Protestants. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, I know. Some of this is going to be really obvious. There's Methodists and Lutherans. There's the Salvation Army and the Anglicans. There's Episcopalians. There's uh, uh, Presbyterians and the uh, Independent Fundamentalist uh, Baptists. There are the Nazarenes and the Wesleyans. There are associations and denominations and non-denominational denominations. If you're not sure what that means, I'll talk to you about it. You just ask me later. There, there are groups that, uh, of all kinds, all these branches in the Christian uh, family tree, the capital C church, uh, capital C church, big C, universal church, all these branches claiming to follow Jesus how can we know, how can anyone know what to believe? Uh, uh, most, uh, many, all right, I haven't met one yet that doesn't say that their, uh, their beliefs are based on the Bible and uh, that they're right and everybody else needs to get on board with them. And so how on earth are we supposed to find the truth? <clears throat> now, if you've talked to people who aren't, looking or seeking and trying to figure out uh, I've talked to some who just say you know there's so many things out there there's so many uh, different things people saying so many different things I don't think it's ever impossible to know who's right and who's wrong so I'm not even going to try I've met people in <coughs> in church believers who are pretty close to that. Um, there's also something I've noticed. This is not a unanimous, like 100% across the board, but it's like 99%. Okay, I made up that statistic, but... I, I, I heard that, 90, uh, that nearly all statistics are made up on the spot. So uh, most, most branches of the church, the big C church, uh, except the Apostles' Creed, I believe the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I believe that the Apostles' Creed provides a firm foundation for most of the church. Yes, there are those who are not so sure about it. Yes, there are those who have some questions. Yes, there are those who may disagree. Uh, I've even run into some who say, yes, we believe in it, and then they redefine things. I always find that interesting. Yeah, uh, we believe that, but that's not what that word means. That's always, it's like, I feel like you're talking to a lawyer when that you do, I'm sorry. If you're a lawyer or a theologian, I just, yeah, I probably offended you. Um, I, I am sorry. I don't like to hurt people's feelings. 
Uh, the Apostles' Decree declares uh, what we agree on. And the truth of the matter is, with all these different branches, we agree on just a whole lot. It's a small amount of things that we disagree about. It, and, and, it, and even then, unless we're in a really bad mood that day, those aren't that big a deal. Uh, so for the next few weeks, uh, six, eight weeks, I, I, I don't know, I haven't counted it up real good. So we're gonna take a few, few weeks to go through it. Uh, I'm gonna invite uh, you and me to join me in examining what we are united about, as opposed to all the stuff that we're divided about. I mean, yes, there are differences, but let's talk about what we're united about. Um, today, some of us don't know this, but today, many uh, branches of the Christian family tree are celebrating Trinity Sunday. Uh, now, Trinity Sunday is uh, one of the challenging uh, convictions and beliefs that kind of shapes the Apostles' Creed. It's not blatantly spoken in the Apostles' Creed, um, but it, it shapes the Apostles' Creed. I think, uh, so here's the, the doctrine of the, uh, of the Trinity, the technical theological statement. Uh, I'll give you a boiled down version afterwards. The technical mm -hmm. theological statement of the, of the Trinity goes something like this. It's people different brands say it differently, but it goes down to something like this. We believe in the one living and true God, both holy and loving, eternal, unlimited in power, wisdom, and goodness, the creator and preserver of all things. Within this unity, there are three persons of one essential nature, power, and eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or, condensed version, we believe God is one, and three, or three and one, well, not or, and, Three and one. As one of my one of my teachers said, if you think you understand, you're either insane or a heretic. Or both. This is one of those mind-blowing concepts that's here. The Apostles' Creed uh, is shaped by this, this, the, this concept of the Trinity. It states, I believe in God the Father, God, the Father Almighty. So we started with God, the Father Almighty, Jesus Christ, His only Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We have one and the three. So, how does one God and three persons relate to us? And that we're not going to try to decipher or explain the Trinity because I'm neither insane nor a heretic. At least I don't want to be. Um, and so, how did this history of our revolt against God and our self-destructive behavior 
and God's response of salvation come about. Some people would almost get to give you the idea that God the Father hates us and Jesus loves us and so Jesus did stuff to appease God's anger and then, okay, now God tolerates us and we're going to be okay. So the question is, does God the Father tolerate us because God the Son died for us? Did God the Father turn the Son into a cosmic whipping boy of some sort for us? And if you don't, if you're going, where did he get these weird ideas? I talk to people. And if you've never talked to anybody who asks questions like this, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I do. I do. They're, they're, they're all around us. But this is what I want us to understand about the Trinity. Yes, there's one God, there are three persons, but they are, God is always united. God is always united. Father, Son, and Spirit always work together. There's never conflict, dispute between them over how to treat us or about anything. They are united. Every person in the Trinity loves us fully, completely, unconditionally. Not a single one of the three members of the Trinity, not the Father, not the Son, or the Holy Spirit, tolerates us. God, all of God loves us. We cannot make God love us more or less, no matter what we may do, say, think. He, God loves us. Period. By the way, I just know that I offended some uh, preachers by saying that. Not none of you, but none of that you probably know, but to some of the I have. Some I've been connected with. Because they would like to tell people that God hates people. And I'm going, well, you're reading a different Bible. For example, the Apostle Paul wrote many of the letters collected for us in the New Testament section of the Bible. And here's his explanation of how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit work together to shower us with love and grace. It is found in Ephesians, the letter to Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, what we call Ephesians. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verses 3 through 14 from the Passion Translation. Maybe someday we should do a series on why there's so many different translations. That'll be a whole different thing, but we'll just talk about that. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father. 
Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because he sees us wrapped up into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. And in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with un unstained innocence. For it, is always, it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. So that his tremendous love that cascades over us. Just think about that for a moment. I love that picture. His tremendous love cascades over us. that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the beloved, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us. The hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages, until finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we, we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to long for the messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the anointed one in Christ and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of him, when you, who are not Jews, heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we all have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring. As the first installment of what is coming, he is our hope promise for the future, a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. So, three things going on here, three things. Before there was time, God chose to love us. God the Father chose to love us before there was time. Before he made the universe. 
But the universe, Paul probably didn't understand this. We didn't understand this till recently. The universe is a space-time continuum. I read stuff too. Time and space are together. It's part of this. It's part of what we. God made it, and before He made it, He made it. He decided, I'm going to put people in this space-time continuum, and I'm going to love them. In fact, I'm making this place so they'll have a place to live. In love, God the Father chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. I want to know these creatures of mine. I want to love them. I want to choose them and adopt them as my delightful children. That was his plan from before the beginning. Well, if it isn't obvious, from looking at our history, we kind of messed up the plan along the line. God was not taken off guard and surprised, <clears throat> and he had already devised a plan. God, the Father, Son, and Spirit had already devised a plan to fix things. And at the cross, God the Son gave his life for us. Paul says we've been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, total cancellation of our sins, of our brokenness, of all the stuff that we've caused to ourselves, all the things that we've done to ourselves, all because of the cascading riches of his grace, part of that cascading love, that tremendous love that cascades on us because of God. So before... There was a time and space God chose to love us in time and space on a cross outside the city of Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago by the act of his love and sacrifice for us. He gave his life for us to cancel out all of the negative consequences of our behaviors and our choices and our decisions. And then in our lifetimes we receive the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, when we trust Jesus, when we recognize I need help. We've all been stand for the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. given to us as a first installment of what is coming. What is coming? What is coming is going back to what we had before we messed it all up. And what was that? That was being able to walk and talk with God face to face. That's what God created us for, a face to face relationship. Holy Spirit, who comes to live in us when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and determine that by his, with his help we're going to follow him and walk with him and 
be his Holy Spirit living in us is the down payment saying there's better stuff it's good now but it's only going to get better that's what engagement rings are all about it's good now but it's only going to get better This is the sermon and a sentence I want you to remember. In Christ Jesus, we receive all of God. When we welcome Jesus, we welcome the Father. We welcome God the Father. We welcome God the Son. We welcome God the Spirit. God is one. God doesn't go anywhere. It's not like God the Father goes someplace by himself. God the Son goes somewhere else by himself, and God the Spirit goes somewhere. God is one. God goes, well, first of all, God is everywhere. So, you know, it's big theological stuff, Mark. You're going to get better. I'm getting confused just thinking about this. I haven't had enough coffee yet today to think. Okay, just think about this. God doesn't separate. God is three persons, but God is one. So God is always with himself. They're always together. So when you welcome Jesus, you welcome God, Father, God, Spirit. And that's why Jesus, when he was here, he spoke to his disciples and he says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they're looking at him going, you look like the carpenter from Nazareth. I don't get it. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't get it. You're right. You don't get it. Because we're one. I'm going to send the Spirit to you. You've already, he's already been with you. Jesus says he's already been with you, but he's going to be in you. And when he's in you, my Father and I will come and take residence in you. Why? Because when you get Jesus, you get the Father and the Spirit. You get all of God. Not just part. All of God is always united. Father, Son, and Spirit always work together. There's never conflict or dispute or separation. Every person in the Trinity loves us fully, completely, and unconditionally. God doesn't look at you with mixed feelings. God's tremendous love cascades over us. Mark Batterson writes, God doesn't love us because of who we are. God loves us because of who he is. God is love. Now we can be discouraged by all the, vision, all the divisions in the church, all the groups clamoring that they, are, they know better than all the rest and can distract us be distracting. They can be distracting to honest seekers, people who are really trying to figure out their, find their way back to God. And they can be discouraging and distracting to Jesus followers as well. So again, I say, let's examine what unites us. And if we do, we can stop struggling trying to prove we're right. 
we can add the fight to earn God's approval to be the ones that are really true. And we can simply rest in the assurance that we have all of God's love. As his people, as his children, we have all of God's love in Jesus. The Red Cross, trust me, you're going to understand where I'm going with this in just a moment. The Red Cross says to help a drowning person, you should either reach or throw, don't go. Why did they say that? A drowning person can be struggling so hard to stay alive that they make it impossible for you to actually get next to them and help them. So you reach to them with a pole or you throw some flotation device to them or you throw a rope to them. But if you go next to them, they're just as likely to take you down with them as you are to, well, actually, they're more likely to take you down with them. <coughs> Why are you saying that? Because we need to stop the struggle of saving ourselves and improving ourselves. And we just, you and I need to relax in God's rescue plan for us and for the people around us. God demonstrated unrivaled, tremendous love for us in all of Jesus' actions. There's a song called Pieces. Uh, it reminds us that God's love, God gives his love to us and gives himself to us completely. It says something, things like this. You don't give your heart in pieces. And you don't hide yourself to tease us. Your love's not fractured. It's not a troubled mind. It isn't anxious. It's not the restless kind. Your love's not passive. It's not disengaged. It's always present. It keeps its promises. It keeps its word. Yes, its vows are good. And your love's not broken. It's not insecure. Your love's not selfish. Your love is pure. You don't give your heart in pieces. God doesn't give his heart to us in pieces. His tremendous love cascades over us. The big C church flunks at displaying and demonstrates God's tremendous love. Frequently, we're failing because we are busy trying to tell the members of our group in particular or other groups uh, why everybody needs to agree with us on everything. And I think we need to shift our purpose to providing environments where people encounter Jesus and experience his transforming love. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to encounter Jesus and experience his transforming love. It is impossible to share something with somebody that we've not experienced ourselves. In Christ, we receive all of God. Right here, 
right now, there's no better place, no better time to invite God to meet with you. And to meet with you. There's no better place, there's no better time, wherever we are, no matter what we're doing, here and now is the best place to invite him to meet with us. Let's pray. Again, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and help us. Help us to lift our hearts to Jesus. To set our minds on him. Focus our thoughts on him. Fix our, our gaze, so to speak, on Jesus. Position all the things that we think about and do on into the main thing of encountering Jesus being able to share his presence and his love. We ask it for our good. We need to be changed. We need to experience that love over and over again. But also for others, the people around us who need to have that experience. And ultimately, we, we ask that for your glory. People will be able to honor you as the God who meets with people, whose love transforms people. Jesus, we pray for more of you. settle for so many other things. And then we wonder why we're unsatisfied. Why we're, we're still struggling. Why we still feel empty? So Lord, we ask you to hear us this morning. Hear us where we are. Hear us now as we ask you, as we welcome you. Meet with us. We want more of you. We want to know you better. We want to know you more deeply, more intimately. We want you to know us better. We want to be more honest with you. We want to stop holding things back. us to rest assured in your complete pure love for us.
In particular, for those of you who are online, we want to thank you for joining us. And if you haven't already, we invite you to join the Champions of Hope Facebook group. group. Uh, there's a description, a link in the description for you to do that. Uh, again, thanking everybody for being here this morning. We are sent, as Jesus was sent, we are sent. As you go to live as sent ones, my prayer for you is that may the beauty of Jesus shine in your eyes. May the love of Jesus shine in your actions. May the wisdom of Jesus shine in your words. May the grace of Jesus flow from your heart. You are sent. Go with Jesus. And if you remember, come.